You know, he wasn't our God anymore. You know, there's a loving God and it ain't the alcoholic anymore. So he was dethroned. I was glad to give up the job. <laughs> like I said, my actions and reactions to my drinking, once I sobered up, the rubber band starts unwinding. So where I wanted to control, I, I mean, I killed animals in front of Sue and Simone so that I could put the umbrella of fear over them that you could be next. You see how quickly I killed that dog? I'll kill you the same way. And that removes all their choices. Fear. And then I sober up. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. I wuss out. See? I, I, the rubber band goes the other way. The whole personality changed. Now i got all this guilt. I'm sober and I can't drink anymore. And I, I totally went the other way. I'm at the mercy of the family. See? Beat me, beat me some more. I'm full of guilt. So now with the God in our life, there is a group conscience. You know, I remember Simone was in high school. She didn't want to have a curfew. And Keith was traveling a lot with his job, and she was staying out late. And then when he would come home, I'd tell him, you know, she's not doing this, not doing that. And she'd say, no, I'm not. I'm not doing anything wrong. And I'd say, I know what they do out there at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. And uh, so we had a group conscience. And Keith and Simone voted that she didn't need a curfew. And I couldn't handle it. And I got up one morning and I just went in. And because uh, I'd been uh, the night before, I heard a wreck down at the corner. And I, I got up and I was right at that window, just like I used to be with Keith. And it dawned on me, I ain't going to do this thing twice. I'm not going to go through that in kind of sanity anymore. And the next morning I got up and I started packing. I didn't say one word to anybody. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I wasn't playing games. I was just out of there. They'd had a group conscience, and I was odd man out, so I'm out of here. I can't live with it because my gut was churning all that stuff. And Keith came in, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I can't live with that. You and Simone, you know, it's group conscience. You got your way, and I'm leaving. And he goes, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. And he got Simone in there, and he said, you know, your mom and I have been together for a long time, and she can't handle this. we got to work this thing out. Simone said, no problem. She'd been going to Alateen for a few years, and she said, you know, when I get, uh, when I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to tell you when I'll be home, and then you won't have to worry about it anymore. And I said, so what if I'm not home? What What's going to happen? And she said, I'll leave you a note. And so she started doing that. Now, she learned how to do those things in Alateen, and it brought some more trust into her and my relationship. See, once we communicated it, it, it brought the unity Communication breeds your unity. And And it's uh, like nobody was setting the rules. We communicated. The best thing about that was we could change. I could vote with her because I thought, oh, you're old enough. You want to get out there and get it on, whatever, get it on. And then when I saw how it affected her, I said, wait a minute. Sue and I were together before you came along. (laughs) (laughs) When you leave here, it'll still be me and her. So the unity is between Sue and I, not between me and the kid. I don't know why I voted that way. Maybe I had guilt. Who knows? But I could change my mind. I could change my mind. And that still kept it. Matter of fact, there was more unity there. And what Simone said is, well, you know, I'll just let you know when I'm going to be out, or I'll let you know where I'm going to go so you don't have to worry. See? So that was the thing. For our, for our group purpose, there has been one ultimate authority, and that brought it in. The authority... By me getting out of the driver's seat, the alcoholic, the domineering, violent person, 
what that did is, is that then I could vote and they could vote and we could change our mind. And it allowed Simone to become a human being and stick up for her own principles and some things, and, and we listened. And it gave her some self-worth. She got to bring the principles from her Alateen program into our home. It made her an equal. Okay, uh, our membership ought to, uh, to include all who suffer from alcoholism. That's a very important thing. That is really the deal, the bottom line. Is our membership doesn't have to include everybody. And we, a lot of people misconstrue that. If you say you have, they say, if you got the desire to stop drinking, why well, you can be a member of AA or whatever. No, 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 no. That is not what that tradition says. Our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Now, if you suffer from a lot of other damn things, that's fine. There's a lot of other places to go. But if you suffer from alcoholism, isn't it an amazing thing that includes the families of? The end of the chapter of the wives has, tells you about Al-Anon. That's why I said when we worked that 12 step, the next four chapters there is, you know, working with others, uh, to the wives, to the family, you know, to the employer, a vision for you. And so when we come down here, there's those who suffer from alcoholism. That's a very important tradition. I'll tell you what. Sue and I run around trying to sponsor people after you worked the steps, and part of our unity was that you know, we were going to work with all these people. You know, Well, we had 40 treatment centers within 15 minutes of our house that were over 40 bed treatment centers. We had every jackass in the country with every kind of an emotional problem, neurotic, goofball, weirdo, ever hang up emotionally, was flogging into these treatment centers. And then they push them out saying, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm an Al-Anon, or I'm a Coda, or a Moda, or Woda, you know. <laughs> and we start bringing people into our house of all sicknesses and illnesses. And Jesus, we've seen some people die. Because we were trying to help them with the principles of the big book Alcoholics Anonymous, and it didn't work because they didn't have alcoholism. They had himism, or herism, or itism. Damn if I know what they had, but they couldn't take the first step. And so we're over there trying to help them, and it frustrated our family. It frustrated our family. See? And, and we, we had to come to this, this thing here and uh, get to this third tradition. And the important thing about the third tradition, this is one of the things that I love the most. It like to drove me crazy. Ought not AA, nor ought AA membership ever depend upon money and conformity. Look, let me tell you something. Sue and I have loved each other broke. We've loved each other rich. She's loved me when I had a lot of money and blew it off. She loved me when I come home with a lot of money and didn't spend any on her. She's done all kinds of things with that money. She loves me whether I'm broke or whether i got money. We've learned that money always makes your depression shorter. <laughs> but uh, and, and I had to understand that I can't conform to everything that she wants. It's like... I got up early this morning, I got around, I put on baggy pants, I did, you know, put on my tennies, you know, and I, I took a shower and put clean underwear on and everything, you know, I'm clean. And so I knew what she's going to do, she's going to primp and put on something nice dress and everything else. And, you know, we were coming up here for a workshop, and so when I got home at 11 o'clock, why well, she said, uh, well, you going to get dressed? I said, no, I'm ready to go. Said, well, you're going like that? And I said, yeah, I'm going like this. Well, you ought to at least put on a coat. And I said, I don't put on a coat. I'm not going to put on a tie. It's a workshop. I want to be comfortable. 
And so she immediately said, well, Norm said, Norm says the only package, the only, the only example of the big book is what you see up there. I said, well, put in a Norm tape. You know, so we put in a Norm tape, you know, and listen to Norm and when it come part about the coat and tie, I said, take that tape out. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> She's still trying to get me to conform to her. You want to dress up and look nice? Fine. I'm comfortable. I'm going to do a workshop. I want. To, I don't want pants that are squeezing my crotch. I don't want a tie that's choking me. I don't want to stand up here with a coat on sweating, so I stink. I'm going to eat, so I want a pair of pants that stretch. You know? I don't have to conform to the fact that she wants to look like she's going to church because I learned something very important. Just because you have your Sunday Beth on doesn't mean, mean that you're, uh, you know, practicing the spiritual. See? And I'm extremely grateful because I went to places where they tried to make me conform and I hated them. In this third t- tradition, it talks about relatives of alcoholics when gathered together <laughs> for mutual <laughs> may call themselves an al. Elanon family group, provided that as a group they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership, there be a problem of alcoholism and a relative or friend. And that's what we had to realize that was wrong with us in our home, is that we were relatives and an alcoholic, and in order to come together, we had to have a common purpose, a common knowledge, a common solution for anything. And this program, this step, our tradition has... You, it explains it two ways. One is to avoid being diverted from our program by others. And two is to welcome into Al-Anon anyone who is suffering from the effects of another's alcoholism. And I sit uh, in a room the other night and listened to a girl say, you know, I said, who's your sponsor? And she says, it's my therapist. And my mind immediately shut. Because I knew from that point on I wasn't going to hear anything but psychology. And and I don't know anything about that because this program's worked for me. So for my own common welfare, this tradition applies in my life. I'm willing to give this thing away to anybody that wants it. My motives are that if I help you, I get better. And that my only requirement to be here is that I have a relative of an alcoholic in my life. And he's in my life, and I definitely need this thing on a daily basis. And uh, this thing fixes me into the program. This is where I belong. I have no fight with that. He's an AA. I have no fight with that. I have never asked him to go someplace else instead of AA. I have never asked him to stay home and not go to AA. I do not have a problem with him being an Alcoholics Anonymous. When I when I sobered up, I recognized I had to talk to another alcoholic to stay sober. And there are certain patterns that I had that I found out through my steps. Certain times, there's certain times of the day that I get thirsty. There's certain times of the week I get thirsty. There's certain times of the month I get thirsty. There's certain times of the year I get thirsty. And... Uh, Call it the call of the wild, whatever, but I recognize it, and I got thirsty in these times, and so I got alcoholics in my life, and I started bringing them into the house, and I got all these alkies around there different times. Now, they're sober. I didn't bring any drunks into my house, and I remember we were all lounging around in there one time, and Sue went and called up an old-timer and said, you know, they're over here at the house. They got the ashtrays full of cigarette butts. They're in here. You know, their shoes are scattered everywhere. They're all in there talking AA and everything, and... uh it was Elsa Chamberlain. Elsa shared a story with Sue about the fact of how you know how important it meant, and uh, you know for Alkies to talk together and 
and they'll learn how to respect your place. And as you get, I mean, the house we were talking about, I mean, there wasn't a picture frame that didn't cover a hole in the wall. There wasn't a damn broken window. There were door jams were kicked out of there, and she's bitching because these guys are sitting in there belching, farting with their shoes off, smoking a bunch of cigarettes. You know? It looked like a flop house. Well, it was a flop house. <laughs> And, and the reason it was good for us, and I lived there for three and a half years under my sobriety because I could get a bunch of drunks sitting and looking at that house, and we didn't have to talk drunk along. You just look around. It was right in front of me. <laughs> you know? and, and so what she did, the tradition there that's so important is there where two or three alcoholics are gathered together, where two or three alcoholics were gathered together, something was happening that she couldn't do. And that's what it tells us in the family after. There's a lot of jealousy there that here all these alcoholics are helping me stay sober and those who love me couldn't. So the traditions helped us understand and work through that jealousy and those various things that we were going through. And uh, and Keith was telling me, these guys need me. These guys need my help in order to stay sober. And I was telling Elsa that and I said, you know, he's saying they need him. And she said, wait a minute. The first hundred people that Bill Wilson 12-step didn't stay sober, but Bill did. And Keith needs these guys more than they need him. Now, if you want your way of life to be like Chuck and my's way of life, then you better start working with newcomers and bringing these newcomer Al-Anons in your home. So your home will be a home and not a house anymore. She said that's the difference between a home and a house. Home has love in it. And you guys need these people to bring the love in there to help you have a home. And this is the part that the tradition for, with respect to its own affairs, each AA group should be responsible to no other authority than its own conscience. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's talking about each group should be autonomous. A conscience. By the time you work the steps, you have a conscience. You can't work the fourth tradition without a conscience. You know what a conscience is? It is awareness of the consequences of your action. But this tradition, it says each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. This is what gives, in a family unit, this is what gives individuals freedom. And this is what gave me the acceptance for Keith. Keith is an alcoholic. He is autonomous. For me, I'm an Al-Anon. He's a different individual. Simone's a different individual. We're each autonomous in our own makeup of our personalities. However, if my personality and my makeup of my person is affecting his sobriety, then something's wrong. I had a, a home group that was this men's tag, and uh, we moved out of <laughs> a, a uh, building. We were kicked out of a building because we didn't have money to pay the rent. We was in a building a room that was about as big as this. So you had uh, you had about six chairs on one side and six chairs on the other and an aisle down the middle. And we were kicked out of that room and we, were, we went and got a room for free that was about big enough to have six chairs with no deal. You had to have a little room along the sides for aisle. But it was a long room, real long and narrow. And so I was a setup guy for this thing. And so uh, Sue, Sue told me one day, so let me go down and help you with that. So she goes down, and, you know, we're pretty new. And so we decide <laughs> what we need to do, since you could only have six across, to get an aisle in there 
you turn them so the Alkies were all facing the front and had the podium up there like, like this room. You're all facing this way. Well, her idea was that you turn these people so they're looking at each other. In this long, narrow room, you turn this thing so you could have an aisle down the middle, but you turn these people so they could see each other. And the podium was still down at the end, but all these Alkies are looking at each other like this. <laughs> Jesus, they come in and put that, the meeting started, and these guys all started looking at each other, mad-dogging each other across there. They never heard what the guy down at the podium was saying. They had a fight, had a big fight in there, blew it all up, and I ran out. I didn't tell Who in the hell set this room up like this? You know, I wouldn't dare tell them until a long time later that I did it, really, with an Allen on. Allen on didn't know what the hell Alkies could handle and couldn't handle. All of them guys in there all mad-dogging each other. And... Uh, so I learned I ain't going to ask her to help set up my AA meeting anymore, you know. And uh, what I recognize is there are certain things here that are conscious to the group. What that taught me is, is that just because you think that's a good idea doesn't mean that it's going to respond to my personality. And the opposite side of the coin is if that is the way I respond to something like that, she must have some things that she responds to that are the same way. I remember one time we'd gone out to eat and Keith ordered pea soup. I'd never seen him eat pea soup before. And he said, I said, yuck. He goes, I like pea soup. I said, it tastes terrible. He said, Sue, what you have to realize is that pea soup tastes different to me than what pea soup tastes to you. And it's true. And it's the same way in life. I don't think like an alcoholic thinks. I don't understand what an alcoholic understands. He doesn't. He he's the same with me. He doesn't understand a woman. He doesn't understand an Eleanor. Now I quit drinking in new sobriety because I just quit. And he didn't understand how I could just quit. It wasn't a problem. Somebody punched Mike. <laughs> we can't tell if you're snoring or farting. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tradition five. <laughs> one of the one of the important things about uh, tradition five, and, and this is it comes again to the unity of this thing, and the unity has to go with you know what you're doing in your program, the things that you're going <laughs> along with that brings you know together in any relationship. Each Alcoholics Anonymous group ought to be spiritually. Uh, to be a spiritual entity having but one primary purpose, that of carrying the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. You know, what we had to understand is my impression of the alcoholic who still suffers and her impression of the alcoholic who still suffers are two different things. If you've got two alcoholics living together, your one's <laughs> impression of the alcoholic who, the, you know, selfish and self-centered, you may be the one that's suffering. And if she's the one that's suffering, you ain't going to help each other. See? It's so obvious in our home. Keith works with alcoholics, and I work with Al-Anon. An alcoholic come home or over to our house, and he's chewing on him like crazy, and I feel sorry for him. And then some gal come over. Yeah, and she'll be hurting and stuff, and I'll just be hollering and pounding on her, and Keith goes, God, don't do her that way. She needs some love right now, you know? And it's so obvious in that setting. Okay, Tradition so 5. The thing that you got to understand about Tradition 5 is goes back to the simple thing is that one of the things that we had to have in our relationship is we had to have a common purpose. 
a common purpose is not to make me happy, for me to make you happy, not for you to get what you want and battle with me. The common purpose is to carry the message to another person. That's what we said about the step. The steps is so that we put a power in our life that allows us to be what God wants us to be. Acceptance, love, and unity. Okay, okay problems with money, property, and authority <coughs> may... Uh, easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. And boy, in a relationship, that does it. I mean, there is nothing caused more diversion from our spiritual aim than money, property, and authority. And uh, when I sobered up, I had a house I paid $22,000 for. I owed eighty on it. I paid twenty-two, put twelve down, so I only owed ten. I lived in it twelve years, and when I sobered up, I sold it after three years of sobriety, and I owed eighty. And I said, it's my house. And she said, by God, you can have it. <laughs> there ain't nobody in their right mind would want a house that they paid $22,000 for and didn't do nothing to it but tear it up and now you owe 80, you know. And, uh, you know, the property, you want this property? You can have it. I had a pickup, went down the road crooked, owed $250,000 to people. I, I owed $250,000 when I sold up, sobered up. I had nothing. I had nothing to show for it. I had a house that I bought for twenty-two, owed eighty on. I owed two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I had nothing for that. And we want to have a fight about money. <laughs> and we want to have a fight about authority. I got. I'll let you have the authority to take care of that crap. I'll tell you for sure. You want it? Take it. You figure out a way to do it. I had five checking accounts. I had paper flying all over town. I had people wanted to kill me. I had nobody to borrow it from. Keith had a job offer with his company to go to Bakersfield and to be over a whole division up there. And he kept telling me, I didn't want to go. And he kept telling me, look, babe, we can get ten times the biggest house. You know, I'll be somebody, I'll be the guy over the whole area, and you'll be the first lady of Chevron. <laughs> and I'm saying, I don't want to leave my program. I don't want to leave Orange County. I At that point, Bakersfield, I didn't know what they had up there, but I knew it was smaller than Orange County. And I didn't want to go. And I just, I, there was no divorce, no talk about that or anything. It was just send money. If you're going to go up there, send money. So we, uh, we wrote. And I took it to my sponsor. And bottom line in my inventory that I wrote with my sponsor, money, property, and prestige gets alcoholics drunk. If we go up there and do that, he's not talking about the program out there or nothing. He's talking about money, property, and prestige. He's going to end up drunk if we do that, and I don't want to be there when it happens. And I said, I'm not going. And Keith did some writing, went to his sponsor and shared it with him, and he decided to turn down that promotion. And his company didn't understand it. But we both did it for our programs. And it was individual decisions. Nobody put pressure on either one of us. You know, we just let the other one do what we were doing. We didn't even know was, he was writing and sharing it with his sponsor. One of the things about this tradition is, is about the group in our family is, is that uh, this uh, sixth tradition talks about the unity of the group. And, and in our house, uh, the individual's group has had just as much authority in our family commitments as the individual sponsor. See, if Sue's gonna, if, if Sue says, 
I can't go with you Sunday. I'm going to go with my sponsor. That was never a problem. If Simone had said, I can't do this, I'm going to be with my sponsor, that was never a problem. Same way with the group. She says, my group's going over here to do a marathon, or my group's going to do this, or my group's going to do that. That was never a problem. I think one of the reasons that it was really never, ever a problem with us is because my group's a men's group. We didn't take women. You know, I mean, we have two campouts a year. We had things that the men did, and women don't go. See? And she had certain women's functions that she did, and men don't go. <laughs> and I, that's pretty damn healthy, because if your obsession is another person, then to get away from that person, get away from that obsession, can be healthy. Yeah. And One, the neat part weekend. about not being together all the time when we did those things, I didn't know I could do stuff without Keith when I got to the program. And I started doing stuff that he didn't want to do, and I started doing it with Al-Anon's. And when we came together, we realized that when he did this with the guys and I did this with the girls, and then we came together, we had something to share and to talk about. Besides saying, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong, I... I just talked about, oh, God, we went here and we had a marathon. We did this and so-and-so said this and I heard this and it was great. It brought in unity back into our home. It brought program into our home. We went and supported Simone doing Alateen functions. And what happened is that we all had a primary spiritual aim. Now, all of our focus was in the same place. We did things with Simone. We, had, we wanted to move out of that old beat-up house. And we had a chance to move out and get another house. And uh, we tried to, you know, fix it up and try to do everything. And Simone was the Alateen. Uh, she was a speaker at the Bakersfield Roundup and uh, Sunday morning speaker. And uh, soon I didn't have any commitment there. And we went to our sponsors, and our sponsors said, you should go and support her. And we put this, we'd had this house up for sale, and it wouldn't sell. Nobody would look at it. It was just... And we'd actually made an offer on another house. It was just a total, you know, I mean, everything, all the ducks weren't lining up. And we were praying and praying and praying. And, and Simone said, look, I got this commitment I'd like for you to go. And so we went, took my sponsor and his wife with us. And we went there, and Sue's sponsor was already there. And we devoted our whole pe- weekend to support Simone and her home group, Alateen. And, uh, you know, I, periodically I have them little thoughts. I wonder what's happened. The realtor's trying to show that house, you know, and everything. We, we went in there this Sunday morning and listened to Simone talk, and she had a beautiful relationship with her God, and she, the house didn't bother her. Hell, she didn't care whether the house sold or not. She was really in acceptance. And I'm thinking, God, I wonder if they're going to, you know. And I'm sitting in there doing all that, of what's the house doing and this doing and what's she doing, and Sue wants this other house, and I want to get this other house. Simone said up there and talked about God is beautiful. I got angry because she had a good relationship with her God, and I'm nuts. <laughs> We come back that evening, 6 o'clock that evening, pulled up in the driveway. The realtor was locking the door on the house, walked out, and said, well, I sold your house. I said, you got to be kidding me. You know, I was just getting ready to leave, and a couple pulled up in here and bought this house. See, and, and by me putting it, my support into Simone and sitting there and listening to her relationship, even though I couldn't get a conscious contact with God, all I could do was just take my body and go over here and sit in here, sitting in there listening to her, what are we going to do, what are we going to do now? And then pull up there and it was so. If I'd have stayed home that day, I'd have probably run those people out of the driveway. What the hell are you putting in the driveway? Get the hell out of here! 
Oh, before that, everybody came here to go wash off the driveway. That was his way of getting ready for people to see the house. <laughs> so, so tradition says experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual heritage as futile disputes over property, money, and authority. There is no argument. We've worried about money. We've worried about all that stuff. We've argued about it and done all kinds of things. And the amazing thing about it is our life has progressively got better in every area. And the thing in Tradition 7 that helped me so much, every group should be self-supporting, declining outside contributions. If the lawn bothered me, my sponsor said, if anything bothers you around the house, do it yourself. If you want it done bad enough, do it yourself. Don't wait on him to do it. And don't fight about it. If it bothers you that much, do it yourself. So if it's like they throw down stuff and I got a resentment, I ain't picking that up, I ain't picking that up, then I got to leave it laying there until they pick up their own stuff. But if it bothers me bad enough, I got to pick it up. And we got a thing, uh, a sign, and we put it on Simone's bedroom door that had been uh, condemned by the Orange County Health Department. Because, and I couldn't go into her room for a while because it bothered me. We've had uh, periods of sobriety where I had a lot of money. I mean, millions. Because I, I had the ability to make a lot of money. And there was a, a period of time when I had enough money to buy my home group a building, you know, and be the ultimate authority, buy the property. Would have been nothing to buy a piece of property. And, uh, you know, I was told to take care of my family first for the long term. Instead of running down and buying my home group a building, I took my money and gave it to Mother Superior, Al-Anon, and she said, what you need to do is think about your family and retirement. Instead of running over here trying to buy something for your group, you better put something away so that your family can have some retirement, a future, see, and let AA take care of itself and let it be self-supporting. What you need to do, stupid, is to go get a job and work and quit stealing, see. And so the seventh tradition taught me to go work. Now, whenever I did made that transition, the seventh tradition, I said, I set my family down. I said, tell you what, I, I have this ability to make lots of money. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes legal, sometimes illegal. But I have this ability to make lots of money. Always have. But what I had to recognize through this seventh tradition is, is that in sobriety, the way I handled the money was causing undue anxiety. And so what I had to do was get some consistency. What I was told by sponsor direction and old-timers was that you need the consistency. Your family is not impressed with you coming in here one day with $3 million and coming in here another day with 50 They're tired of that. You're not, you're, everything you do, you're putting it on the roll. You're taught in Alcoholics Anonymous when you come in and pass the seventh tradition, put a dollar. They ask you to put a dollar. They've done that for years. They still do it for you. And they said, you go, and then when you sit in a meeting, by, hey, you learn to put a dollar in. Put a dollar in. And I can sit in meetings and watch the people that don't put a dollar in, and they, the rest of their programs like that. And that was the consistency of the money, to put a dollar in that basket. And I don't, and I just one of my pet peeves. I sponsor guys, some of them, uh, and and they come in here with nothing, and then they get sober and they make a lot of money, 
And so they sit in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and they pass the seven tradition and they pull a, a wad of 20s out. And they want to change a 20 or a 50 or a 100 with the seven tradition basket. See? And Bill talks about in, in the traditions here about how he would... He wouldn't buy food for his family, but he'd go down there to that AA meeting and want to pull a big, you know, throw of 50 in there. See? And they taught me, when you go to AA, the price of admission, if AA is given you, you put a dollar in the basket, which means you go someplace and get some $1 bills, and you carry them in your pocket, so when they pass that, you put that dollar in there. You don't have to impress us with your big wad of money. We're not a bank. Your responsibility is to get those ones, have them in your pocket, and when that comes around, you don't throw change, you put a dollar bill in that basket. That's a responsibility before you get to the meeting. Very basic. It's necessary to get the coffee and the things to pay for the rent and all those things. And when I, when I did that, it was not a problem. I did that. But what I had to recognize is that I was doing the other over at the house. She said, can you give me $10? I said, yeah, if you can break 100 my sponsor was there one day when uh, that happened, and we walked out, and she said, your self-worth's really low, isn't it? So the next time I went to Keith and asked for money, I said, can I have a hundred? <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. We define professionalism as the occupation of counseling alcoholics for fees or higher we may employ alcoholics and so on and so forth. Such special services may well recompense, but our uh, usual 12 steps of work uh, is never to be paid for. I mean, we went through all that counseling and all those psychiatrists and all that stuff prior to coming to the program and getting in here, so we didn't have a problem with that. We didn't have a problem with any of those things. We've never needed any marriage counseling other than sponsorship. We've had to go to AA couples and Al-Anon couples to hear the answer. We've gone, this is this right here is one of the things where if we had sponsorship direction that was not conducive to the direction we were trying to go, we went to couples who were going in the direction we were trying to go and got the input from the couples. And so we haven't needed any special counseling. I, no. uh, and it's I, been AA women that have helped me a lot learn how to be a lady, learn how to teach me, tell me things that help me learn how to be a sex partner. You know, because I was shut down in that area with Al-Anon, and it's like we have gone to Al-Anon and Alcoholics Anonymous for all of our problems. One of the things that we had, uh, uh, I needed help with yard work and stuff like that, and painting my house and stuff like that. And uh, and I watched some people who sponsor people, and, you know, they'd say, come over to my house and uh, and we'll, you know, paint the house. And so they get all these Aukies over there, and they paint the house. And... Uh, and then they go to a meeting. And uh, so I started asking people to come and help me do my house. But I paid them. If a guy came over and, and mowed, you know, get some guys over and help them mow my backyard or whatever, I, I may not pay them top dollars, but I had some money in my pocket to pay them because I'm an alky. I understand the alky don't like to work for nothing, even if it's your sponsor. And they'd always say, you know, Sid say, I don't know why you pay those guys. They never appreciate it. You sponsor them, you spend hours before the meeting talking to them about their personal relationships and all kinds of crap, you know. You spend hours after the meeting, they get a problem, they come to your house, you'll spend all night, they want to come over to your house right now. they got to come over right now. And then you say, well, 
they want to come over and help you mow the yard, and you give the guy five bucks. If you spent ten hours with him this week, Christ, he ought to come over and mow your lawn and give you five bucks. <laughs> and I said, what you got to understand is Alki don't like to work for nothing. And so I'm going to give him some money. You know, I'm going to give him some money. And this tradition is the one that taught me that we recover in here because we're equals. There's no sex, color, race, or creed in this program. We're equals, and this we're equals in the home. And when we got in here, it's like we weren't the adult talking down to the child anymore. Simone had a voice in our home, and she was able to say things in our home that she'd never been able or allowed to say before. But she had an opinion whether we cared about it or not or wanted to hear it or not, and it made us equals in our home. Tradition 9. Our groups, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who serve. Uh, our house isn't organized. Uh, we're not organized, but we each do things that the other one... Keith and I have recognized that we each have qualities, that there's some things he can do that I can't do, and there's other things that I can do that he can't do. In other words, we have rotational leadership. <laughs> At the airport, I'm in charge. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to to car maintenance, he's in charge. You know, there's just different things like that that we've had to learn that we're not organized, but he's my service sponsor for my car, my maintenance sponsor. I have to look at him for guidance on that because I don't know nothing about that, and that kind of stuff drives me crazy. By the same token, when we're in an airport and they're not leaving on time or the tickets are messed up, he can't handle that. And so I'm... I'm the service board at the airport. What we had to do is to split up our bills. Yeah. See, this tradition taught us how to split up the bill. And I don't like a lot of little paperwork, and so she can take it to work and do it at work. So she gets a lot of the little bills, and I make the big payment. Because I'm big daddy, and I make the biggest check. You know? <laughs> yeah, but she, it's equal. she pays a lot of the, the amount of money going out is pretty equal, you know. And it's got lopsided at times, and I had to have a sponsor come over and say, "Look, asshole, pick up some of the slack over there." Oh yeah, you know that was a neat day. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a day when he quit uh, making all the extra bucks illegally that he was doing that he couldn't make all the payments and carry the load and be big daddy anymore. I sat him down and I said, "You know, I'm not going to live this way of life with money anymore. I'm going to go get a job, and I'm going to live on a fixed income. I'm not going to have this, you know." Of feast or famine stuff, and uh, oh, that's great, Daddy. That's good, you know. But blah, 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 you know. And I said, what that means is I'm going to go. F that the year that I did that, I went. I made over two hundred thousand dollars in that one year, and the next year I made sixteen. That was a social shock to that family. I was going to World Service one Saturday morning, and I went into kissing goodbye, and he was in there working with the bills, and uh, I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm paying bills, and I'm short." He said, I can't handle it, so you're going to have to start helping me handle this. And my sponsor told me to get ready for it, you know, and for us to work it out. And uh, she said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You and Keith work it out. You know how much each one of you makes. Be a team. And uh, so I'm standing there, and Keith says, I can't do it. Can you handle these? And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I can. And he said, okay, fine. Yeah, thank you. He said, what would you come up here for? 
And I said, I came up here to tell you that I was going to World Service, kiss you bye, and tell you I love you. And he goes, well, and I said, I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) You're going in a common goal, and so this tradition says all such representatives are to be guided in the spirit of service. And and so as a family, we're guided in the spirit of service. We live in a nice house today. It's comfortable. It's clean. One of the things that this... uh, if there's any professionalism in our home, it's the fact that we got a housekeeper. And that housekeeper, we've had that lady for almost 20 years now. And uh, she she is a curse. She's a demon, a devil. She's just everything that we should have fired her 100 years ago. She's been cleaning our house for ever since New Sober. That was the thing that we got. We would not live in the filth and, and the unorganizing of thing. And we agreed that Sue should pay for this housekeeper since that was her job. Now, if I wanted that service, I paid for it. Yeah, right. I remember one night Keith was reading the newspaper, and he said, Do you know that it says here that 85% of working women clean their own houses? And I said, Yeah, well, does it say how many meetings a week they go to? Right. Yeah, and so I got that housekeeper. And her and name. I got a gardener. I was having Alkies come over there, and I was paying them as much as a damn gardener, and they were mowing the yard wrong, knocking sprinkler heads off. They were doing every damn thing. They were staying sober, and it's 12-step work, but... I finally said, look, you get a housekeeper, clean the house, get a non-alcoholic, clean our house, and I'll get a non-alcoholic gardener to clean the damn yard, and then we'll just go to meetings and work with, you know, crazy people. And our housekeeper is crazy. She needs this program, but we're afraid to 12-step her because she does stuff in our house that we don't like to do. (laughs) Um. Tradition 10, no AA group or member should ever in such a way as to implicate AA express our opinion on outside controversial issues particularly those politics, alcohol reform, and uh, religion. The Alcoholics Anonymous groups oppose no one concerning uh, such matters as they can express no views whatsoever. I live in a neighborhood uh, where they don't know I'm an alcoholic. I don't have any stickers on my car. I've been through all that stuff. When I came to A, I had stickers on my truck, you know, all kinds of... I was a hick, okey Texan. I had all them, always them old pickups, and I had all them... You know, ass kickers inside, and you know, if you you ain't shit, if you ain't a cowboy, and you know, God is coming, and boy is he pissed, and you know, all that stuff all over. And I don't put any stickers on, you know, AA stickers on my car. I don't have any uh, things at my house that says an alky lives here. You know, cops don't come to my house. We got a gardener. We keep it clean. We don't do any of that stuff that implicates it. We don't. You know, people come to our house and park their cars out there to have stickers on it, and I don't know whether the neighbors know it, but we don't advertise that. I have never, my neighbor, we've got a new neighbor up there, and they had a pool, and they built, had a party, and they put flowers out all over the neighborhood. We're going to have a party tonight, get drunk, raise hell. Please don't call the cops. Let us know if it's too loud, and we'll tone it down. I have never had to put a flyer out in the neighborhood, say, I'm going to have 150 alkies over at the house. If you don't like it, go to a meeting. You know? We got a, we got a meeting hall. We got that. We've had a shop. We've had those things so that the guys can come and go where they belong. And, 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 you know, part of my amends to my neighborhood is to not act the same way in my neighborhood that I did when I was drunk. When I was drunk, I mean, it was like a combat zone. I had people coming, going day and night. had all kinds of crazy noises and screams and shooting on going off and took people's parking places, parked on the yard, parked in their driveways. You know, urinated on their bushes, you know, threw bottles in the front yard, beer. After people, we had a party, there'd be beer bottles busted everywhere. There'd be cans of beer everywhere. We'd clean up after ourselves. 
And the thing with this tradition that's helped me so much, it says that we have no opinion on outside issues. And I've used this so much in this program. When people want to gossip and say stuff about somebody else, and I don't really know if it's true or not true, I've just learned to say, no, thank you, I'm working the 10th tradition. And they go, huh? Because I don't have any opinion. I've had enough gossip go on about me. Thank you very much. I just don't need to add to somebody else's pile if they're going through stuff. I use this tradition in the house because Sue'd come in, she's got to go someplace. She's got it narrowed down to about three different dresses. (laughs) So she'd come in and say, she put this dress on. What do you think? I ain't never going to say the right thing. I know. Because she don't want to wear it either. She's already got it on. She don't want to wear it, so she's got two more to try on, so she asked me. Yeah. And I, I just use this tradition. I said, I don't have an opinion on it. I love you no matter what you wear. Yeah. Aww. I love you best when you got nothing on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it just takes all the fight out of these things. If you got no secrets, see, that goes back to that fifth step. In a relationship, if you're working that fifth step and then you take those 23 tools of that fifth step, then there is no outside of There is no opinion about what? I either love you like you are or I don't. I don't have an opinion. I've accepted you. Okay. And uh, that's the whole thing. Okay. We Tradition 11. <laughs> Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. We need guard with special care the anonymity of all AA members. What I had learned when I was new is that I, if I'm going to break my anonymity, I've got to make sure it doesn't bother him. Yeah. And our, uh, this tradition, my sponsor told me here a while back, that this tradition gives security to the insecure and it gives humility to the security. And so it's like, uh, it's a personal thing with me. You know, it has to be a personal thing with you. It has to be a personal thing with Keith. You know, it's a program of attraction. And we don't promote it in our house. If I don't like what Keith's doing, I try to, rather than chew him out anymore, because I realize that anytime we have an argument, we both lose. And so I just accepted him the way he was in try to change my attitude and if I'm not anything else on that day if I'm not anything else maybe I'll be a program of attraction by setting an example when somebody else in my family is in a bad mood same way in Eleanor same way in Eleanor you know we do this thing by example it doesn't matter whether I'm in an Eleanor meeting uh, or I'm at home it's attraction rather than promotion you know we have said things like you need a meeting you know go talk to your sponsor you know, we do those kind of promotional things in our home. And, uh, and this is the tradition that is uh, direct confirmation of the theme of our steps, which is humility. The thing that uh, Sue told me, I was a violent drunk and all that kind of stuff and had no compassion for anybody, and then I sobered up and I started working with other alcoholics. And uh, Sue told me that she fell in love with me because she saw me loving on an alcoholic. She knew the violence, and my daughter knew the violence and knew, you know, the the, the pain that I had inflicted upon them. And they had resentments against me. And yet she'd see me, you know, loving on an alcoholic, talking to an alcoholic, 
and they'd see how I loved this alcoholic, and I could really care for the alcoholic, and I really had compassion for the alcoholic, and I knew how they felt. And, and this was the healing thing, this tradition is the healing thing, the awareness that if I can love an alcoholic, I can love them. If I'm learning how to, I mean, this was a saving grace for my sobriety with my family. They saw me. They had no hope that I'd ever change. Promises were all gone. And they see me over here giving an alcoholic the time. And Come on, we can do it. And encourage me. We'll do it together. And I go with them to go to court. And I go with them to talk to their families. And I go with them to meetings. And I sit out there and talk to them with meetings. And Sue saw me doing the things to an alcoholic that she wanted me to do to her. And... and I wasn't, but I was doing it over here. And, and when she, somehow they believed, probably because of Al-Anon and, and, uh, and uh, Alateen, that if I can do it with an alcoholic, then someday I'll do it with them. And, and so they fell in, the attraction, if he's doing it, because that's what gave them hope. And hope is a vision beyond your circumstances. Even though I wasn't able to give it to them, they could see me doing it here. If I was doing it here, this monster they were attached to may someday do it over here. And I'd go tell these alkies what they have to do, and then I'd go home and I wasn't doing it, and I felt bad. So I had to start practicing what I preached. And so it came in there. The other thing is, that in this tradition, is about public relations, is that uh, I have never flaunted my AA in the workplace. I've had to break my anonymity on occasion, and it always came back and bit me in the ass. I... Uh, I don't break my hand anywhere. Matter of fact, Rick and I work together, and uh, I'm his sponsor. And Rick got to coming up to see me where I'm I work in a cubicle in an office, and Rick got to come up and see me there for a while, and he was talking about AA things. He didn't say AA means or anything, but he's talking about names, you know, Bill, Bob, Mike, and Steve. And, and I work with a bunch of people around there who don't know Steve or Mike or Shane, and so when Rick would leave, why well, they'd say, who's Steve, who's Mike, who's Shane? And they'd want me to explain who Steve and Shane and Mike was. They're AA members. And I, how am I going to explain that? Because next day he comes up and talks about Clyde and Emmett and, you know, and, and these guys, nosy normies, are sitting there, God, who are all you? This guy's come up here. Who is he? Is he your son? Is, are you his dad? Is, and I finally had to tell Rick, don't come up there. It's causing me problems. Not only is my boss getting tired saying, are you going to work or are you going to talk about Steve and Bob and Mike all the goddamn time? See, I don't go to your where your office is and sit in there and talk to you all day long about those people. You can't come here and talk to me. i got a job to do. See, And what I was taught in the very beginning, if I'm working a program and somebody in the work area sees that I'm... I don't go to their drunken parties. I'm not coming in with hangovers. And maybe my boss has got a son that's got a problem. And so they see that I'm not drunk, and they say, well, I don't know what Keith does, but he ain't drinking. Why don't you go ask him? And then if they come to me, I can say, well, I've always found that Alcoholics Anonymous works best for me. But I don't break my anonymity. Don't break my anonymity. I'll tell you why. I've worked places where... I, I had a boss that I've seen in a detox. And then that boss started drinking again. And God damn, he hated me. <laughs> he hated me because he knew everything about me. And he hated me and he gave me the most vindictive crap. He ran me in. He gave me all the shitty assignments. He totally wasted my ass because he had that resentment against me and he had the authority to punish me. 
And so I had to, you know, go on with those kind of things and and uh, keep my anonymity, keep my anonymity. The same thing with our home. We don't go to our neighbors or anybody else and talk to them like we talk to you. We don't talk to people about, well, what do we do to have this relationship? We can share it here, and then we talk to people, you know, outside the deal. So that, that uh, Tradition 11 is really important on our public relations. And I, I'm a really firm believer. I mean, it depends upon where you come from and what you did, but I'm a firm believer that this tradition here tells me that I should not live in the manner in which I did when I was drinking. In other words, my neighbors, my community, my job, those things about my... Uh, I was doing AA commitments, the damn many AA commitments that the, my boss called the union steward in and asked me if I had a drinking problem. <laughs> because my absenteeism was uh, very similar in sobriety because AA commitments as it was when I was drinking. Because I was taking off, had missed time all the time running around doing stuff in AA, and I had to take a look at that pattern. And it was a pattern, and they saw the pattern. And I didn't want to have that same pattern in my job career as I did with my drinking, the same way as my house. I don't want to have the same respect in my neighborhood as a sober member of AA as I did whenever I was drinking. I was at work one time, and a gal from my job came to an Al-Anon meeting, and she saw me there, and she never came back. And I was having a hard time getting some paperwork out of one of the managers one day, and uh, I said, damn it, I need it, and I need it now. And I hung up on him, and he told everybody that I'd bragged on him. And this little gal said, well, you know why she's like that. Her husband's an alcoholic. And it was all over the building by noon. Now, so not only do I have to think about his anonymity and mine sometimes, but I have to think about others. You know, if I see someone in this program and I'm affiliated with them in any other way, it's not my business to tell someone how I know them. What I'm supposed to have is gratitude. Right. The 12th, 11th, and 12th tradition induces a gratitude. It induces a gratitude for my sobriety, for my family recovery, for the things that I have. I, I don't I don't have to run around preaching it or anything in my neighborhood or anything there. Or, or ask for special... Uh, I mean, there's been a thousand things. I remember when I was having trouble with my work and, and lost time, we have an employee assistance thing. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is this. I could have gone to employee assistance. I know the guys that are there, and I could have... Get up and go put some water on your face, Mike. Go on. Wake up. If you want to come out here and hear this crap, you got to stay awake. You've been sleeping through this. You could have stayed at home and done that. Okay? What I had to recognize is that this I could have gone to employee assistance, and I could have got special consideration with the company because I'm an alcoholic. <coughs> But then I would have broken my anonymity. And then I would have done that. And I had to learn that in my home. In my home. I cannot have special <coughs> consideration in my home because I'm the alcoholic. No, nope, doesn't cut it. See? That's what they, these traditions <laughs> has taught me. I don't get special favors because if I don't get my way, I'm going to drink. I mean, he used to say, well, you know, I'm just the alcoholic. I haven't drank today. And I was grateful that he hadn't drank today, but he was using it as an excuse. Now, if he wants to drink, he's going to drink, and I'm not going to cause him to drink, and I know that, but he's using that as a weapon on me. And it's like, neither has the cat. 
I hear people, I and mean, there's people in our group and, and relationships, you know, and they, their relationship ain't going the way they want it. And say, this is making me thirsty. This is making me thirsty. You know? <laughs> you know, control issues. This is making me thirsty. This is making me thirsty. Not if you're working these steps. Not if you're working these traditions. That's an issue that's gone back. You worked that in the first step. Not if you have a God in your life. Nobody can make you do anything that you don't want to do. And I had to learn that a long time ago. It's, it's so important to understand that. It, it, these traditions teach us as a, as a group. How many times have you sat in your group, if you're being an alcoholic, I don't know what Al-Anon's do, but saying, if I don't get my way, if I'm not elected secretary, I'm going to drink. What do you think your group would say if you was an alcoholic? I'll tell you what they'd say if ours group. If you're that damn close to drinking, we sure don't want you as a secretary. <laughs> See? Now, we've had some weird things happen. We had, a, we had a secretary of a men's meeting that turned out to be a woman, and we didn't know it. She got busted, and they took her down and stripped her and found out that she was a woman. And uh, she said, call somebody from the group to come and get her out. And I said, wait a minute. That's a men's meeting. You know? So we've been disillusioned on occasion. <laughs> but what you have to understand is, is that those, these traditions is unity. It does not mean that if I don't get my way or I don't do what I want to do, then I'm going to drink. This is unity so that you don't ever get to that point. It's what brings us together where you can feel like I need help, not I'm going to screw you up. If I don't get my way, I'm going to mess you up. If there's a God and there's unity and there's principles in here, it's like anybody will help anybody. It doesn't matter. That's the love of the program. That's the language of the heart. That's what we work for because that's the ultimate reward around here is that we get to pass this thing on to another human being in order to keep it. People will fail us, but principles never do. And that's why this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you should stress the point, that's the first AA, that's the text. People was talking to us that we've talked about it here recently. Where in sponsorship, it no. is more important for me to have principles in my life, and you do not like me, than for me to be the individual that you want me to be, and for you to like me. See? and that's what the things. All of my pain and sobriety has been uh, through personality. You know, through sponsorship, I get involved in sponsorship, and I sponsor a person for a period of time, and then they don't want what I have, or they change, or they get a different obsession. They fire me and go off in another way. I've given them my best shot. I've given them what I had. Like my sponsor said, you know, I talk, you listen. When you quit listening, I'm through talking. And that's the principle of this thing. And by the example, by the example, what I, by the example of what these traditions and the steps in our life and our home then we have a unity there. We have a family there together. It's by our individual program, applying the steps in our individual program. We have the greatest blessing, uh, you know, zeal because we always give the credit to God. See? If I'm going to take responsibility for your sobriety, i got to take responsibility if you get drunk. If I'm going to take responsibility of her being my wife, i got to take responsibility for the whole thing, the whole package. So the Twelfth Tradition teaches us about principles, about the thing. I can't take any hodges. Sue and I, we, we work with a lot of young people, sponsor a lot of young people, take them through the steps. We have literally had young guys come into our life at 15, 16 years old, and Sue and I were their parents. 
15 years old, they sobered up, and they're like little six-year-old kids. And we spo- I've sponsored them for 10, 11 years. They sit in our kitchen and cried about when their girlfriend was pregnant. They sit in there and cried whenever their wife was pregnant. They sit in and cried when they lost their job. They sit in and cried when their girlfriend left them. They sit in and cried when their wife left them. They cried about this, cried about that in our house, just like raising a kid. And then they come along, some girl come along and say, well, you know, get away from the drums. They're, they're no damn good. And so they go off with them. They just walk out of our life and they don't come over and say, gee, mom and dad, I want to thank you for raising me for the last 10, 12 years. We didn't do that because they were, we're not their parents. See? A good example of this is when Simone got married in Italy. I mean, this program is so strong and, and first in her life. And the girls that she sponsors is her gift, her wedding gift. They put in money together to buy an airplane ticket for her sponsor to be at her wedding in Italy. Now, that's principles above personality. Yeah. I have to look at what we put these steps and these principles in our life. We came in here beat up, beat down, and uh, ruined, ragtag. We bought this thing packaged and sealed, the whole hook, line, and sinker. We've applied these principles in our life, and our life has gotten better. We've been together for 35 years. I haven't cheated on Sue in 19 and a half years. I haven't beat on her in 19 years. I haven't written any hot checks in 19 years. I've followed the prescription of this book pretty much, hook, line, and sinker, and so is she, and so is our daughter. As a result of that, we both have jobs. we got some money in the bank. we got a group. i got a group. She's got a group. we got sponsors. There's no conflict there. We got we're a comfortable living. We got some retirement. We got a nice house. Uh, our daughter's married. She has a career. She has a group. She has uh, uh, people she sponsors. Her program is her number one thing in her life. And and uh, you know, I was sitting at my desk the other day thinking about you know, well I've you know helped this alky and I've helped that alky and they ain't doing it and they're off doing something else and the phone rings and it's my daughter in Italy and she calls me up and she's talking to me about you know, what she's doing in the program and people she's sponsored and she's doing good. And I hung that phone up and I thought, why should I have pain over some jackass that doesn't want to do this? I should have joy over the fact that my daughter is doing this. That's my kid. This is the lady I married. She's doing this. I don't have to take responsibility for somebody that wants to go die. If their goddamn ideas wants to take them out there and let them die, let them go die. What I have to have is joy for the fact that what I have, that we have been willing to do this, that example. It's not braggadero. It's the fact that we came in here beat up and we've tried to do this and apply it in our life. And it works. As a result of doing these things for ourselves, as individuals, we have come together. And we do the things in the program that we do because we want to keep it. Because they said you can't keep it unless you give it away. It's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to do this. It's a privilege for us to do 12-step work. It's a privilege for us to share with other people. It's a privilege to get to go to a meeting. Because I don't belong here. Not somebody like me. It's a privilege for you to love me and let me love you. Because that's what this program's given all of us. It's a love beyond anything I've ever had because I found a God of my own understanding. We have a relationship with our God today because we have not sold out. Exactly. We uh. have not sold out to compromising experiences, 
or to somebody else's behavior. One of the greatest gifts of that closing prayer is lead us not into temptation. And we have had to stick with the principles of this program, which means we've had to walk away from people who tempted us, things that have tempted us, places that have tempted us, to keep a spiritual thread in our life so that we can go down this path and grow and change. And we've changed. The we grass changed. is not greener on the other side. And I'm going to stick with these principles one day at a time. And every time uh, that we get a chance to come and share these things, it reinforces that. Now, next weekend, we're going to have David A. come out from Texas, who's been here for 29 years, and he's going to talk about the traditions that our home group, and I got to talk about them tonight, and you got to listen, and some of you will be there, and Sue will be there, and I'll listen to him, and I'll hear something new that I can take, even though I've shared with you tonight, I'm an open channel because of what I've done tonight, and I'll hear something from that person that will build on what I have shared with you here. I'm teachable. I'm interested in that. I'm excited about that because what it has done in our relationship and what it's given our family. I've never quit being grateful for what this program has given us and where we're at today. And we couldn't have it by ourselves. You guys helped us get it and introduced us to a God. Thank you all very Thank much. You.